Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean? Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode, this is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays, and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, Well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking Back. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion you're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. The Blast from Our Past Network. Welcome back to Action Action on the BFOP Network. My name is John, and this is the podcast that watches all the action movies and puts them on our list of the greatest action movies of all time. Uh, wow, this is a we have a huge movie this week to talk about. Um, I'm not going to say 48 Hours is the first buddy cop movie, but I think it lays the groundwork for what the contemporary buddy cop movie is. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I can't wait to talk to you all about it. Uh, I'll introduce my co-hosts. Uh, hello, James. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Great. Just fantastic. It's Happy no. to be here. It's the oh, house cat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The house cat. <laughs> uh, thanks, Dustin. Welcome, I guess, you to the podcast as well. <laughs> Welcome, I guess, you. <laughs> the possum. I, I feel so, yeah. The possum. The lizard. The lunatic. Oh, yeah, the lizard. Right. Whichever one What's, of my weekly personas you want to. Dustin is we, Dustin yeah. is the horn toad. Dustin is a the uh, horn toad. He's the horn toad. He's an incredibly venomous uh, toad that was introduced in uh, sugarcane plantations all over the world in an attempt to kill a beetle. Uh, he did not kill the beetle. He did not help the sugarcane. He's now uh, an intrusive pest that no one can get rid of. That's true. Uh, inc- it's, it is incredible. Incredibly venomous to the to the uh, the uh, environment above and below him. Welcome, <laughs> Dustin, the horn the horn toad. Ribbit, ribbit. Huge movie we watched this week. I cannot wait to talk about Forty Eight Hours. Uh, I want to get to it, but we have to uh, secret destroy some stuff. James, are you All right. have you seeked or destroyed anything this week? Uh, well, I seeked out. Two movies, um, both were recommendations from different people, but I watched uh, Project X. I don't know if you've oh, seen Oh, the party that. movie. The party movie, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that thing. 
Yeah, I never even heard of this movie. Who? Somebody um, recommended that to you? Yeah, yeah. A guy at work is like, "Have you ever seen this?" Some fifty-four-year-old man's I like, I watched that thing and I don't some, really remember some, it." Some fucking fifty-four-year-old guy's like, "You gotta check out this fucking party should, movie uh, from like do some fucking Molly and watch from, uh, Project yeah. X." Uh, this Tons of boobs, man. From twenty twelve, this shit's gonna blow your fucking mind. This is what my this is what my teen years were like. <laughs> yeah, it's like what yeah. the fuck are you talking about, old man? Uh, the funny thing is, like, I, I I didn't know anything about it, so like I watched the movie, and then at the end, there's like an interview, and he he's imitating an interview from the that kid in Australia that had that party. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what the whole movie is based off of. It's based off like this kid in this party. We should lay so, that. We should lay a little, uh, little bit of that kid in right now. They might be fined twenty thousand dollars. Are you going to try and pay that for them? Yeah, but I don't think it's fair they'll be fined it because what happened. It was my party, but it could have just been any random person walking in the street doing it. What well, it happens all the time. Your parents were out of town. You put out the invitation. You started it. Why don't you make a grown-up decision now and accept responsibility, take off those glasses and apologise to everybody that you frightened, to the police who were forced to retreat and whose cars have been damaged, and to the community who have had to pay for this? Take, your, take off your I'll, glasses and apologise to us. I'll say sorry, but I'm not taking off my glasses. So wait, this isn't the Project X that stars Matthew Broderick? What? Who the <laughs> fuck are you? No. What? Oh, what? No, sorry. What Project X is that. Dustin's the sixty-four. I know. Yeah, Dustin's the sixty-four-year-old guy at work <laughs> that doesn't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> he, yeah, he brings How up Project you, X. Man? I'm like, yeah, man, with fucking Ferris Bueller. I know what you're talking about with the monkeys and shit. Mm-hmm. No, anyway, I James. don't know. Uh, James. Anyway, so. So I watched that. Um, What'd you think? I thought it was all right. I, you know, I kind of was like, I feel like I've seen it so many times, like this this style movie, and it's it, derivative. Yeah, I actually, it reminds me of like old school, but old school is like a better movie. I feel so. Um, but anyways, so I, I guess seek or destroy, uh, <laughs> whichever, whichever way you feel, like. whichever, more whichever. like a, ignore. And then I watched, I, you know, I was scrolling through Netflix and I'm like, okay, I've seen that Adam Sandler movie. I've seen that one. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. What's this? Sorry to bother you. I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I remember John saying, yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. You should watch that. So that's what I watched. And I had no idea like anything. <laughs> I talked about, about this, movie this on movie. the podcast, you fucker. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it was me. No, I'm pretty sure it was John. Like, Fuck I mean. You. You mostly bring garbage to the podcast, yeah. Dustin. <laughs> I mean, you might have this both. Was my, you might this have was both. my favorite movie the year it came out. Oh, okay. Little, Sorry. little Boots Riley. Sorry. Little Keith Stanfield. Watching this movie, like, I didn't know anything about this movie. So, you know, I'd say, what is it, like, two-thirds of the movie? I'm like, oh, like, this is really interesting. Like, the the, the whole take on society and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, these fucking horse people show up. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then I just loved it even more. Even at the end, yeah, exactly. where they're like trying to get in to the gate and they're outside. 
Man, you know who oh, was man. good in that movie was uh, Cannibal Cannibal Army Hammer there. <laughs> oh, Army yeah. Hammer. Yeah, rest in peace. He's dead to us. <laughs> where are they going to... But here's the question, guys. Where are they going to find another uh, six-foot, handsome white guy to replace him? I don't know. All of his roles might be lost forever. Yeah, down the drain. Yeah. They'll he was never, such a... dying be another army. <laughs> He was such a dynamic actor. I don't know if anybody could ever be Army Hammer. Well, I'm not going to take oh, away his uh, his acting ability. He was pretty good in some stuff, but there's also a, apparently there's, a cannib- into cannibalism. So there's you know. also like seriously, yeah, there's yeah, a cool. thousand guys who could just be him. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean, he's, he's not pretty, special. Pretty face whatever, yeah. So you liked so, it? So I liked it. Seek that I, shit. I feel like I I need to watch it again. It's one of the. It's a rewatch. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. So, Dustin, what about you? Uh, let's see. I watched. Uh, I rewatched Seven Samurai, the Kurosawa movie, because I hadn't seen it in a while, and I felt like watching a four-hour movie that like justified its length, unlike uh, the Snyder oh. the Snyder cut. Yeah. Did you watch that or no? No, I can't bring myself to. Like, I'm morbidly curious about it, but I just. I mean, I can't. you got so much fucking time to Dustin, waste. You, you have, would be the one to watch it. Dustin, but I got other shit I want to waste that time on. <laughs> Dustin, you have literally nothing to live for. Watch the Snyder Cut. <laughs> yeah, you need to watch it so you can tell us how bad it is. No, I, do I? Do I need to do that? Yes, yes. you do. I think, actually, I think you can. I think you can guess how bad no. it is. I'm, I'm hearing. I'm hearing it's awesome. Like tens, straight tens. Straight I'm hearing. Tens. I'm hearing it's better than the original, but yeah, not worth the time. Sure, the, but that's not saying a lot. The original was a piece of dog shit. And this is a four hour less of a dog. I mean, why, why, why four hours though? I heard it gives uh, Cyborg his due. Yay! (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, I don't care. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, if you need four hours to tell like the Cyborg story, then I don't know. That motherfucker got filmmaker. But that guy got fired. Yeah, afterwards. Yeah, Uh, because he because he told he said Justin Whedon was a racist, and it turns out. He was just a gigantic piece of shit all around. Yeah, apparently so. Um, oh, apparently, Dustin, this guy. Oh, you knew, James. You knew coming in, if there's going to be an apologist for du- for Josh Whedon, it was going to be Dustin. <laughs> old men stick together. <laughs> well, that, that old, we know. Old white, old white men stick together. I got to stick up for my boy. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen mad men. I know how this works. <laughs> the old fuck. Uh, anyway, Seven Samurai, fucking so good. Truly epic movie that justifies its four-hour length, which you can say about very few movies. Then I watched uh, that new Netflix documentary, The Last Blockbuster. Did you guys watch that yet? I did watch that, yeah. It was okay. I, I wasn't, like, super taken with it. There's some fun uh, people on it like that they talk to, like uh, Paul Shear is on there and Ron Funches and stuff like that. But it was just, eh. And it, I don't know, I kind of wanted it to go into a little bit more of, like, it's really looking back at Blockbuster with, like, rose-tinted glasses on. Yeah, oh, um, totally. And then, like, they have Lloyd Kaufman on there for a minute, the, uh, you know, the guy that made Toxic Avenger and all that stuff. Yeah. He starts going off about why Blockbuster sucked so much shit and how, like, they were real assholes and stuff. Uh, and they wouldn't stock, you know, his movies. And then they just like cut them off like really quick, and they're like, "Okay, crazy old man," or whatever. Basically, I know that was brutal because that's what I wanted to hear. Like, yeah, I wanted to I hear wanted- that stuff. <laughs> and so it's like just not a very balanced. Uh, you know, they really want to be like, "Oh, Blockbuster was the best," and it's like, "Okay, yeah, everyone has 
we have all of fond memories of the video store days if we were old enough. But like Blockbuster was also like the shittiest video store <laughs> of all of them. It was like yeah. the last resort that for me to go to. Yeah, there's yeah. no titties. Yeah, no titties. <laughs> no no okay. interest. <laughs> Uh, okay, can, so can we just I want to say something about the before we we, we move on because I don't think we're going to talk about the Magnificent Seven, not Mag- Seven Samurai. Did you ever hear you guys ever hear about the Akira Kurosawa uh, quote about Magnificent Seven when he was asked about it? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, where he says, uh, "I've never seen the Mag- Magnificent Seven, uh, pretty much like, but I, but the Seven Samurai is great or something like that. Like I've seen the like the root work. Like he pretty much just threw all the shade. I, I couldn't find the quote exactly. He just threw all the shade on that movie, just being like, "Yeah, like you just stole my movie." Well, they did. <laughs> he late he later on went on to um, actually send like accolades to the people involved in the Magnificent Seven, like saying how much he he really liked it, like. Oh, he did like it. Well, it's, yeah. such a, it's a it's a weird thing, like comparing like the samurai films and the westerns, because obviously they took influence from each other. Like when those samurai films started becoming a real f- popular thing, they were taking from older westerns, and then westerns that came after that took from those samurai movies. So it's like a weird cyclical influence. I, yeah, thing. I I think the the cool thing is just like the the Kurosawa was both like, yeah, these guys completely cribbed my shit. Like they stole everything, but then also just being like super, uh, I know that, um, well, it happened McQueen, to him more than once, right? Because yeah. then fistful of dollars was rip off of Yo Jimbo, which was also his movie. So, yeah, but he was to at least, I don't know what he, what he thought about the fistful of dollars, but I know he, like, he ended up being incredibly like gracious towards the people who made the magnificent seven and just being like, yeah, you guys made it like a dope film, but y'all stole my shit. <laughs> You stole, you stole everything. This is yeah, my thing. I mean, I think I prefer Seven Samurai, but but Magnif- the original Magnificent Seven is still a really fun movie to watch. Uh, not so much on the remake of that, but oh, oh yeah, the, James, the remake James, sucks. This is James's favorite movie. That's my jam right there. <laughs> you fucking love it, James and I. You James, got a Chris in there. <laughs> the most yeah. hated Chris. He's the most hated Chris. Yeah. Why? Because uh, he's Krish? Because he's Krish? Because he's Krish. He's uh, I even that, it's not that he's Krish. It's that he's joined that church. The Hillsong, I think it was. Oh. That was very op- like very anti-LGBTQ. Um, oh. He okay. also said some like dumb shit. Who doesn't? Uh, me. That's... that's, that's- Comb, <laughs> comb, comb the podcast for all the things that James didn't cut. That James, <laughs> I cut a lot. I'll just piece it all together. Yeah. And sorry, I just want, I just want to give. Cut. Yeah, yeah. I, I sorry, I just wanted to just talk about that for a second. It was a dumb aside, but it, um, I, I, th- I thought it was cool. Yeah, back to the blockbuster uh, movie though. My question is, what is the movie that you racked up the most late fees? on can you remember yeah uh i had a vhs that i rented of a bond movie i think it was the man with the golden gun and i kept it for like six years or some shit (laughs) (laughs) actually i think it's still in a box in storage at my mom's house maybe nice you never got it back blockbuster i have no idea i think i most i paid was maybe like 20 something bucks for something so i would always go in there and i would like get another account because like Just if open a new one yeah if you know i had too too much late fees but 
I had a VHS copy of Canadian Bacon, and I owed like $75. Total banger, by late the way. fees. And $75. $75. And this is already, this is the time <laughs> where they were transitioning to DVDs. Oh, yeah. I just argued with the guy. He's like, yeah, you owe $75 for Canadian Bacon. And I still had it. I didn't return it. <laughs> and I'm just like, there's no way I'm paying $75 for a VHS copy of Canadian Bacon. There's no way. He's like, well, I guess you're not renting anything then. <laughs> I just left and went to another Blockbuster and started another <laughs> account. <laughs> but they weren't tied oh, together. They, times, didn't, they couldn't see like, wait a minute. We see that you have an account already at such and such store. This is the this is like the fucking nineties, like the early two thousands. Like yeah. they, they didn't know shit. They didn't know anything. This is like the same time where you could John and I did it. We like bought a DVD player from Walmart, used it for two years, brought it back, said, Hey, it doesn't work anymore, and they gave us a brand new DVD player, no questions <laughs> asked. Yeah, that was dope actually. That was a really good DVD player. Yeah. I mean, that was a it, really good DVD. But James bought me that for my birthday. Yeah, um, like a, it, I mean, it's just, just like a, a different brother. time. I just, time. Rem- I just remembered uh, the local video store, the one that was actually close to the Winchester house where a bunch of us lived together later on. It was actually also oh, my yeah. neighborhood video store when I was growing up. And I had, uh, I think I had Child's Play 2 out for like a month. And they were calling and being like, you better bring this fucking video back. I was a kid, right? So I was like, I was like... <laughs> kind of scared about it so then my friend was like oh just give it to me i'll i'll go in and return it and i was like okay th- thanks man and so we were like heading to the corner store as well because it was in the same strip mall so he runs by the in the store was the door was propped open because it was summertime so like it was warm so they had the front door open so he runs by the front of the video store and he just fucking flings child's play 2 in the door like a frisbee <laughs> I thought he was like gonna go in and give it to them so that I wouldn't have to face them. <laughs> he just hucks it in there. Probably oh, broke the fucking thing. Why wouldn't you just drop it into the late in yeah. the, the, the the overnight box? The drop box. I don't know. I, I can't remember why there was. Oh, like, you're a, maybe it was you're a closed or fucking something. idiot. This is why you didn't graduate high school. <laughs> Way to bring that up Ugh. again. I watch. I'm watching the leftovers. That's my thing. Oh, nice! It's I've I've been watching the first season again. The show fucking sucks. It's so hard to watch. Oh, I love that show. I love it. It's so good. It's it's fucking amazingly written. It's so well acted. It's 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 beautifully shot. It's just a gigantic gigantic bummer. Um, <laughs> it's a gigantic bummer. It's one of these shows that I'm watching because. Uh, it's on everybody's list of the most amazing final seasons. Yeah, it's, it's uh, got a great final season for sure. So I'm just watching it for that pretty much, hoping it can reach my my uh, in my. I should probably we should probably do a, a show one time about our favorite uh, finales of TV shows. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. That'd be uh, a short list. That'd be a short list for me. Uh, I think Dustin and I could Dexter, probably Lost, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> All the good wow. ones. Let's transition into the movie of the week this week on the podcast. We watched 48 Hours. James, roll the trip. Nick Nolte is a cop. Eddie Murphy is a con. I can help you get Gans, but you got to get me out of here first. You're crazy. 
He pulls some strings. See, you need me a little more than you thought. I'm Mr. K. He pulls some scams. So where do you want to do it, honey? Want to hop up on the counter? No, nah, we can go in this room over here next to the bathroom. Yeah, right. I'm Come on, we're in the mood. Let's go. They've got two killers to track down. Toss me that piece, and he won't waste him. They've got a kidnapping going down. I want the money. What you talking about? I want that Indian to snap her neck. They've got a fortune to hunt down. I want to know what's going on between you and Gans. Half a million dollars. And it's all coming down in 48 hours. All right, so we watched 48 hours. Uh, James, is this your pick? Yeah, this is my pick. So 48 Hours, James's pick, uh, I'm just going to run through it quickly, uh, came out in 1982. It's an action comedy. It stars Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy, I think most predominantly. Um, but I mean, shout out to uh, Annette O'Toole. A hard-nosed cop reluctantly teams up with a wisecracking criminal temporarily paroled to him in order to track down a killer. You know, that happens all the Holy time. Holy shit. They parole yeah. the guys out of the jail to help the cop. It's Classic. Like, Different times. Oh, okay, so actually, this just happened recently. Uh, <laughs> this happened recently locally. It was crazy. Um, eight dead. Um, several several prostitutes injured. Uh, sorry, sex workers. Yeah, it was crazy. So it was not, nuts. not unlike this movie then. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, but you know, that's just another day. That's another day in Canada. We're always just letting... Uh, Violent criminals out. Well, that is true. <laughs> so this uh, this movie has like I don't think it's it's necessarily deserved. I think there have there were quote unquote buddy cop movies possibly before this. I don't think to this extent, but this is often cited as the first buddy cop film. Yeah, I was you know I was I was looking into that a little bit last night because I was like, is this really the first one? I mean, it's the first one that I could think of. Um, there is one from the seventies called Freebie and Bean with James Caan. That is apparently technically considered the first buddy cop movie. But I think this, like you're saying, really lays the template down for what we would see going forward. Yeah, I agree. I think this is what, what when we think of a buddy cop movie, um, I've, I've seen people say Heat of the Night is a buddy cop movie. Um, <laughs> that's more of a odd couple, but drama. I think this is a bit different. I think this is the truly it's an it's an odd couple type thing, but it, it just changes the the template for what a buddy cop film is. Uh, and then from this, we see your lethal weapons and whatnot. Like this is this is I think the the real yeah. Truth. This one sort of sets the formula for what's to follow, right? Yeah, creating yeah. it an, also it, sets the formula for angry police chiefs with Frank McRae's. Oh right. man, is he amazing! I mean, Be- beautiful. You talked oh, you like talked chefs. about this on uh, podcasting after dark, James, with uh, Corey. There, yeah, yeah, on the watch list. Probably the like Godfather of angry police chiefs. <laughs> like, but like also like police chiefs who are so angry, but actually do nothing. Like creating that template where like they're so mad and yet everything still continues well it's locked up with procedure john that's just how it is uh, he's dysfunctional it's always like, you're gonna department. lose your job you're going up uh, you're gonna you know you're gonna be on review and all this yeah well, be yeah, well who's okay. gonna fill my shoes motherfucker i'm down here in the guts i'm trying to figure this shit out i'll be with you in a second chief like every yeah. everything revolves around nick nolte in that police station right 
He's just like people are calling. You need to talk to me right now, and he's like, "I'll be with you in a second. Murtaugh, get on the phone. I want to call this person. <laughs> yeah, Murtaugh. Um, I uh, mean, that, that's a I funny t- scene. That one you're talking about specifically, just because. Yeah, there's like it's the busy police station. Did you notice that it was a uh, a single take that whole that whole sequence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is I love I love that thing. scene. I thought that scene was so great. We should talk about how this movie kind of starts out. It's got this crazy chain gang thing going on, which I love. <laughs> I love this. I think this is so great because it it's you got this chain gang. They're all pretty much just like, well, it's not really a chain gang, but they're all they're all in the dirt and the dust and they're all working. And you got this truck that just like blows past everything. It's real pre 9-11 shit. You know what I'm talking, guys? <laughs> uh, when you could just go th- right through security. Right. This truck just this truck just blows up and uh, <laughs> like the weakest ass prison escape possibly I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Well, they pretend to get in a fight, right? Why would this guard ever let this dude get that close? Yeah. Like you said, pre-9-11. And they would have had guns on. Yeah, well, Pre-9-11. Pre-9-11. Shit was loosey-goosey, man. You could just yeah. walk up to the prisoners, spit, <laughs> spit in their face. Yeah. Yeah, and that the guy that comes, you know, like first you got James Remar on the on the chain gang as, the, as our main villain of this movie. He uh, fucking Gantz. rules, by the way. Yeah, so James Remar, you know, also known as Dexter's dad. Oh, yeah. Uh, among other roles. Well, and he's in The Warriors, which is another Walter Hill movie. Um, oh, well, we, yeah, we're going to get to David Patrick Kelly. Yeah, right. There's actually, a, yeah, and then Sonny Landon, the guy that helps, you know, gets in the fight with him and frees him. Oh, yeah. We, we've talked about him before because he was Billy on uh, Predator. So oh, okay, he's, yeah. He's, showing he's up. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's a really great cast right off the bat here. You're seeing some good stuff. I mean, yes, is it realistic? No, not so much. But it's a. I thought it was a it's fun, fun sequence. I love. I, I really love it. I. This is what I want in a cop action movie. I want nothing is real. I'm not looking for heat. I'm looking for just like over the top dumb shit. Like people escaping, people having fun. Like this is it. Like this is what I'm. What I'm trying to say is that. This movie didn't just like create the genre. It actually set a pretty high watermark for what to expect. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and you know, with the buddy aspect, um, you know, some people are like, oh, it's not a buddy cop movie because Eddie Murphy's not a cop in it. I'm like, well, well, come on. I don't think that's really what matters, right? Like, no. have you seen about, Bulletproof? We're talking about a certain formula where you have two people who are, uh, you know, very different individuals that have to team up and like see all the the humor that comes from that because you know they're not alike and all that stuff i mean obviously this is one of those movies that really sets the bar for that stuff and eddie murphy's debut right oh this is his debut oh i didn't realize that yeah i mean he was you know he's a stand-up and he was on snl already for a couple seasons i think two or three seasons by the time they did this but um this is his first movie yeah this is his like uh Casting for Beverly Hills Cop later, yeah, which only came out a couple of years later. But even even Beverly Hills Cop, you could say, has to be at least somewhat influenced by this. Yeah, you know, like the the main villain in this movie, what's his name? Gantz. He's kind of like a madman, and he reminded me of Richie 
from Out for Justice. Yeah, kind of like who's, sweaty who's just and like, strung out. Yeah, who's just like going around town, having a good time, <laughs> and just shooting at people whenever. You know, if the if uh, the police get near him, he just starts shooting. Yeah, very uh, very similar feeling. I think that's something that is kind of lost a lot of times in like later films, like modern films, which is it's totally fine to just have this dude that is driven by nothing but an insane desire to just cause havoc. And it's the marijuana; it does it to him. Yeah, it's, it's all those. Reaper. Yeah, he, it's all the jazz cigarettes he's smoking, right? It just makes him just uh-huh. be like starts. He's, just, he's, just he's scat. Sociopath. He's scat in life. Like he's just <laughs> skimming about booing. Just like what's going on? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I love that. I think that this is the funnest kind of movie where you have the lowest. You give the lowest amount of stakes to the people to a lot of the people involved, where they're just their id is literally their character. I don't necessarily always need to have a huge like backstory to why they're doing anything. Right. They're just crazy. You could have got into more of the Gantz character. Um, But I didn't need to. I don't think you really needed to, because even though there's not a lot on paper there, I think Remar like plays the character in a really fun way. And you, you buy him as a bad guy. Like you don't, you don't need to know his, how he was fucking brought up or some shit to, (laughs) it's just, the movie's yeah. not interested in those details, and and I think it's for the better. And I think we're going to get into some talking about race and stuff like that in this movie, which is definitely dealt with in a very 1980s way. Um, and in a lot of ways, I feel like this movie deals with race in a incredibly uh, progressive and at the same time, like, like of its time way. Yeah, you, I mean, progressive, you're getting progressive for for the time, um, and you know, looking at it back now, of course, of course, there's all kinds of problematic shit in it, as as there would be for almost any movie from the era. Well, when Nick Nolte like delivers these lines, these racist lines, it's just like. Oh, that, <laughs> well, that, yeah, and we'll get to like, that, but it gets to the point where Nick Nolte actually says the N word, like. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it, when he's actually upset, you know, he shows his true color. But then right? he does something interesting after that. But uh, there's this interesting thing where, at the same time, th- both of the, the 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 main characters, like so, say so you have like the two the main the main group teams, right? You, the good guys, like the the good guys, the cops, the bad guys, the um, you know, the convicts, right? They're both interracial teams. It, it's just it's kind of it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, and how the they deal with the squad it. who pulled off this original job. Um, you know, in the movie, they're searching for this money that they all got from this job that they stowed away. And Eddie Murphy had been part of this crew with James Remar and Sonny, another character, an Asian character that we don't actually meet. They shoot him in the head and leave right. him for dead. And then also David Patrick Kelly, right? So it was a diverse group of criminals. And I guess that we see some diversity on the police side of things too. I think the thing. Well, what like, I, I when sorry, you're saying, sorry. Oh, to what to, to, what I meant was more like there's there's two bad guys. Like there's two criminals they're going after, mm-hmm. like a First Nations person and a white guy, and there's there's two supposed you know quote unquote good guys, right? There's right. a black guy and a white guy, right. right? In both cases, the white guy is in charge. Yeah, like yeah. like it's. But there's this other person. This movie does not shy away for its time 
it shoves race on your throat. And I don't want to turn this into a podcast, this episode about to be about race, because we are not, we don't have the ability to talk about that properly. But what I'm saying is, is that it's interesting how they deal with it, which I think is if you can get over how offensive it is, I think it's actually trying to be progressive. Yes, I think it was trying to be. I mean, we, uh, the Nick Nolte's character—he's a racist cop, but he's the best of—he's the best a racist cop could be at the time, <laughs> kind of thing. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you're trying to show he in the movie. You're trying to show from the beginning to the end that he almost is like growing in the sense of like at the end, he kind of says like. You know, I, I, you know, that watermelon stuff, I didn't really mean that, you know, you know that, right? And then Eddie Murphy's just supposed to be like, yeah, no, I know. Like, I mean, what is he supposed to do, right? Right. But like, this is as good as it gets at this time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's sort of an apology. (laughs) I think that's what I was trying to get at is that like. I I want to give this movie credit if if you're sensitive to racism, um, we should all be. But if you're sensitive to that kind of things in film, like I think this movie is, I don't, I want to give it the ben, the benefit of the doubt. Like I think it's actually trying to be progressive. Well, and, yeah. What's what's the intent? Is the intent of this movie to be racist? I think it's just a product of its time, and that's yeah, I think it's trying to be. It. I think yeah. it's trying to push an. A different narrative. Like Eddie Murphy is by far the most pure character in this film. All that dude wants to do is like fuck one time and go back to prison. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the, that's a whole other issue. We're talking, we're touching on the race stuff. Might as well get the other dirt out of the way while we're here, which is that we can't, I can't really say that the movie treats its women characters terribly well. They're either all prostitutes or else like beleaguered girlfriends, right? And the- well, uh, why does Nick Nolte even have a girlfriend? And like, I, we could do without that. Well, there were apparently more scenes that were cut that involved her, which you can tell. You can tell watching the movie that there was more stuff in that storyline. I think that my guess for that part is trying to show that like he is more than what he appears to be. Which he is, is the, human. He's not. Well, it's all about being a broken person. Right. I mean, we already know he's broken. Like, I got that he was broken from the get go. Yeah, I think being a yes, child. They, that- yeah, they want you to have a, a human aspect of him, of being not just he's not just the fucking cop who's, you know, got to got to do his case so hard and you know go through all this shit and be an asshole. He's also this person who they're trying to give you that rounding out, but then they they don't really do a good job of that. But what? Like, okay. I'm not watching a movie like this to get the relationship issues that he has and how I I'm watching this movie to get that. Like he's doing whatever it takes. He's, you know, a gritty cop on, you know, the, at the, the end, you know, he's about to be suspended, all this shit. This is the action. This is, but this is one of the, the greatest tropes, like the biggest tropes in movies is to be like, this guy treats women like shit. He treats, he treats the people who he love, who love him like shit. But deep down, he's a good person. He's just broken. This is post Vietnam shit. Like this is like yeah. This is this is like this pe- very typical cop story stuff, right? Yeah. I just I hate I just hate the trope. I know, but it's like, it's I I think it comes from an honest. Pl- it, 
I don't know if that's true. I don't know, but it comes, it feels like it comes from an honest place of being like, these are broken people who don't, tr- they have no way of understanding or sorry, of, of dealing with their emotions properly. And whenever they feel emotional, they push that thing away because they're just, yeah. they're just broken. Like I, I was like, I said, post Vietnam, this is, this is the, this is the bridge between us and like World War II vets, right? Where it's like we now talk about our emotions. There's different ways to vent things, <laughs> but there's World War um, II. Don't talk about it. There was Vietnam, which was you don't know how to deal with it, so you like just drink yourself to death, and or like you like whatever. And then there's us, who are like talking about it finally and now there's like snowflakes there's the next generation which is just like literally like crying online and being like these are my emotions suck my dick i don't give a fuck and this is like oh yeah man good for you i think i would say about this kind of trope the same i think i've brought this up before too when we've talked about this stuff i totally get why they want to put it in the movie like it's it's a writer's instinct to try to you know, make the the, the characters three dimensional. Uh, one of the easiest ways to do that is to have the significant other and show those strains. At least she but, didn't die. Yeah, she didn't die. She didn't get kidnapped. <laughs> which is which is actually like a huge like, yeah. like she's like bar- she's like barely in she's the movie. Barely in the movie, and I feel bad for her, right? Because Annette Benning or I know Tool, sorry, good actress, and you know, not really utilized. But I think like, she's actually same, great in the movie. Yeah, she's very good. But at the same time. If they had all those extra scenes, I think it would drag the movie down, right? Like that, that fully flesh that out. So I get, yeah. totally get where James is coming from on that kind of stuff. I, yeah, I totally get it. I'm, yeah, so this is a, it's probably dragged on for way too long talking about this, but I think this is a thing that we're always going to come up against where we're dealing with uh, male filmmakers, male writers who just don't know how to actually properly deal with these things in a way that doesn't almost victimize the, the person who's inflicting the pain, like Nick Nolte, who's a piece of shit. Like, yeah, he's yeah, like, not- he's misunderstood. It's always about being misunderstood, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, but he's there, a good guy. He's a good guy. There's not even enough in the movie to like really even understand hard, like what they're even arguing about. Like that's how much it's cut. It feels cut up. Right. Uh, she wants but. to fuck and at his place so that he can change. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty much that's because when it. she because when they because when they get down at at her place he doesn't have any clothes it's just a funny thing though because you know they don't really get into any specifics about you know what their argument is or arguments are but you don't even need it because we've seen so many we've seen this story so many times that we're just like oh yeah that's that thing that's happening <laughs> like, yeah moving on yeah let's get into uh, uh david patrick kelly's character yeah this Another is little super shit like he yeah. was in commando yeah, sully so playing luther and the warriors luther in 48 hours sully in commando Charlie and John Wick and Doug and VFW. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in a few movies we've covered. These are the movies that we have covered. This guy is the possibly the biggest weasel in the action action (laughs) pantheon. You know what's crazy about this movie is there's a scene where they're tailing him and they're following him in a car and it's almost 
identical to the scene in Commando. It is identical, and it even has the same fucking music. I know. That's. <laughs> I went and I looked up that scene to watch that scene, and it's like it's the same fucking music. He's also in a driving a Porsche in both movies. Like what the fuck? Um, and yeah, so it's the same uh, composer, James Horner. So he he did the music for this, and it's that like steel drums kind of yeah. sound, and then. He redid it for Commando. Now, he changed it a bit for Commando. Like, he added stuff to it. But you can listen to it and be like, this is the same fucking song. Exactly. So, three years later, he reuses it in Commando. Pretty wild. So, yeah. So, so his character is super weird to me, this Luther character. I don't understand. He cares about his girl, John. He well, we'll get to the ending, but so Nick Nolte's go he goes to prison. He grabs uh he grabs Reggie because he's the one guy left from this crew that can help him find these guys. Who's got six months left. Yeah, yeah man. I, if I was Reggie, I would be the same way he wasn't like when he was first it's like, no fuck it, man. Six months? Leave me alone. Do my time. Yeah, I'm not even really clear on why he agrees to do oh no, I guess he agrees to do it because he wants to protect the money f- from Gans getting it, right? Yeah, which at the end he gets the money. <laughs> Spoiler. Like, oh, sorry. Was I not supposed to reveal that? At the well, end, Nick Nolte's just like, yeah, fuck it, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Nick like, Nolte at the end, he's just like, fuck it, you can have the money. Fuck it, you can carry a gun. Yeah, <laughs> just buy me a car. Just bribe me. <laughs> buy me a car. I, You know what? The, the thing is, is that I honestly feel like he's being honest. Like, he's just like, yeah, fuck, who gives a shit? Like I think that I don't think that Nick Nolte. Sorry, what's Nick Nolte's character's name? Jack. I don't. Jack th- I don't think he believes in the system. Like Man, John, this is a slippery slope. Okay, <laughs> this is what happening first in society given, today. First, you're giving paroled criminals guns. Next thing, you're just letting them get <laughs> yeah. away with the money they stole. Yeah, yeah. fuck it. I don't give a shit. Are there? Or, or are they? You know, nonviolent crimes. Fuck them. Let them go. Oh, are they on drug violations? I don't give a shit. Oh, you're on. Uh, you're on drugs. Let them go. Thanks, Obama. If anything, they need to send them to more hardcore prisons, like the one in Ricky O. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I'll tell you this. The prison in Riccio is actually probably, if you just keep your nose clean, the nicest prison we've ever seen in a movie we've reviewed. <laughs> it was clean. You mean like your nose clean like that old guy with the train that was just like... He shouldn't have started... fucking business. Oh, yeah. He shouldn't have started shit. And then, and then he got. Shit, you mean he was like, "Hey, uh, that was my towel." He shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> and then he got like his face like shaved off. You don't need a towel, man. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Go back to your goddamn fucking room. Shut shut up. It's my towel now. Be quiet. Oh man. Fuck. Take a shower yeah. at a different time. Do you know when those guys are showering? They're showering at the same time every day. Take a shower fifteen minutes later, bitch. I like this kind of, you know, going back to these kind of buddy cop movies because we see we see a lot of action comedy movies now and a lot of them are are really enjoyable like say like a 21 Jump Street or like the other guys or something like that. Those are fun movies, but like I feel like they're they way more lean on the comedy side of that equation. Oh, totally. Whereas going back to these original ones, yes, they're comedic, but like they feel far more grounded in the action side of the of that equation to me well well like this movie 
Forty Eight Hours is like a gritty, a grittier movie. But For I sure. feel like Beverly Hills Cop. It leans more on the comedy, but it's just more. I don't know, more eighties. It's more action. <laughs> so this is when they were they had perfected things, though. Right. Like this was where they were. They took these. This, so this is like the. I don't know. This is the mutation point where they took the movies from before, they created a new genre. And yeah, then I mean, but and then Beverly Hills Cop is like Buddy Cop meets 80s action meets music like and fun right. and comedy like it's just it's, it's I, a, I can't it's, wait. It's, it's a director's sensibility too, right? Because it's Walter Hill directing this who did the you know we still need to do the Warriors on the show at some point. I mean, he was doing a lot of gritty 70s type movies and this is early 80s yeah. so he still is in that mode and and that's the feeling he gives well, the movie right? Warriors is almost is almost Carpenter territory right yeah I mean like oh, I'm sorry if 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 Carpenter made the Warriors it would be better but it would be oh ouch oh I'm sorry if Carpenter made anything it would be better <laughs> um but uh, I'm saying like I I would say the Warriors is a definitely Carpenter film. Carpenter allowed that movie to be made. <laughs> what? Would you not agree? See, I don't remember the word. I watched it once. Well, Dustin, you wouldn't say so. Like he laid the groundwork for that film. How did he lay the groundwork for it? Just I, I just think that like he he created a world in which that could exist and be kind of marketable. Like his style. His style. Like there's so much John Carpenter style in that movie. Yeah, I don't know if Hill would have really been influenced by Carpenter. He might have been, but like, I, I don't know. I think we're selling Hill a little bit short. Like, that's no, we're not. Movie. I am. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm not bringing you guys down with me. You're um, right. It, it, it's his movie. I mean, great fucking movie. I love the Warriors. Yeah, and we definitely need to do it. Um, James won't let us. I think. I, yeah, James. I don't know why you keep stopping yeah. us from doing the Warriors. Is is that that MMA movie? <laughs> Warrior? <laughs> that's Warrior, I think. Oh, that's Warrior. Okay. Yeah, fuck that shit, man. Oh, sorry. Fucking um, bullshit jujitsu motherfuckers. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Brazil? Suck my dick. What? Whoa. I mean, I think I Brazil? get what you're saying in terms of the Warriors having like a, a small movie sort of cult. I don't know. It's got a cult feeling that isn't dissimilar to to some of the stuff that Carpenter was doing, right? It also has a huge Carpenter vibe, and like, not necessarily the violence, but like the the setting is very Carpenter. I think. Wait, was this isn't the fucking the uh, like hellscape John Carpenter podcast? Let's let's <laughs> no. talk about this movie. We've barely talked about it. I have a question about the opening scene of this movie, which we haven't talked about, where. Uh, Nick Nolte gets sidelined because he's too much of a rando. He might just pop off. We don't know. So his buddies get shot. Yeah, Jonathan Banks is one of those cops in that opening. Oh yeah, nice scene from uh, uh, Breaking Bad. So he everybody gets shot, and then Nolte just like empties his clip, and then he just has a pocket full of bullets. Did cops in the eighties well, just walk around with with uh, with? Pockets full of bullets so they could reload. That, well, he had a yeah, revolver. Yeah, that's what they used to do. Yeah, he had a revolver. I know, but did you have a pocket full of bullets then? That's what you do, John. I got my cigarettes in my left hand pocket, and I got yeah. forty eight bullets in my right hand pocket. Well, what would mm-hmm. you suggest? I don't know. 
I, I honestly don't know. I just it seems it seemed wild that this dude is just like, oh, these aren't my new ports. These are my fucking bullets. I'm just gonna reload quickly. Better hope you don't get shot in that pocket. I guess. Like, why even have a revolver? It just seems like inconvenient. I don't know anything about like, guns. Individually load yeah. each bullet. Did well, they not? I mean, they had. Uh, they already had like fast loaders at that point, but. Uh, I think they even mentioned that in the movie at one point. Me, I'm going for a banana clip, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I got a I don't, I don't cop on the force with an AK-47. <laughs> get, that's what. That's exactly what this movie needs. Some AK-47. I get a banana. I get a banana clip from my uh, pistol. Um, but that sequence is pretty good. I thought you know when they go to they go to roust those guys. Why does Nolte want even even want in on that though? He's just like. Hey, I'll just uh, I'll just hang out and. I think Nolte's just chasing the juice. <laughs> I, I don't know because like these guys are just regular cops, right? They're not like a different police department or like the FBI or some shit. No, they're just other officers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really understand. What well, like why does he want to get this guy so bad? Did he like kill somebody? Well, at that point, he doesn't want to get him so bad. He's just there, and he's part of the shootout but then they take his gun and they use his gun to kill the the cop right so then he's now he's after this guy because this guy you know he's made him look stupid he took his gun and, sh- and shot a cop with it yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna go to the jump after this this is the scene and we talked about this earlier and i want to move on and just keep running through this film but i think this might be the scene that actually maybe there's like a couple points and you can like add them all up, and this is what changes cop films. This is one of the scenes that just changes cop films, where Nolte's running around, people are yelling at him. It's that single shot, like you were saying, Dustin. But people are yelling at him, pretty much calling him a fucking asshole and saying it's all his fault. He had nothing to do with it. But he's just like running things in that office. His boss is yelling at him while he's telling other people to like do stuff. He's figuring things out. Like this scene, I think is like super. Un- I'm not saying it's underrated. I don't know how high it's rated, but this scene I think sets the tone for what movies are going forward. It's, it's really important. It's a cool scene just because you know you he captures like the frantic energy of like. Oh, what's it like in the cop shop? Like, what's going on inside the walls? And obviously, it's a cinematic take on it, but like, it gives you this energy of like, oh, there's like so many things. These people are trying to hand him a report. This person's telling him, oh, this is the kind of weapon that was used, or whatever it is, you know? Like, there's all this stuff buzzing about, and you're getting this one shot of it that gives it that feeling of, uh, I don't know, just the frantic energy of it. And then, yeah, of course, then Frank McRae uh, yelling at him, <laughs> screaming. But at him. he, I love this part though, also where he's. He's putting things together like he's making deductions like he's he, he he's understanding the information that's coming in and he's like being like, OK, now we have to do this and we have to adapt and like all of that kind of shit, I think, is just so influential for all the movies that come after it. And it's super it's also for me as like this is kind of my jam. Like I love cop movies, you know. Like James is always saying, like fuck the police, um, but like yeah, that's a quote, right? They make some great. They I think he's that might be the first person to say it, but like they, like cop cop movies make they make they're super fun to watch. 
Like they're chaotic. Yeah, there's, a and reason, they're, there's a reason it's a genre that has endured for so I, long, right? And they're solving puzzles and they're solving mysteries and you want them to be the good guys. And I think this is a really amazing scene that just kind of sums this whole thing up where he's on. Yeah, but f- it's also hilarious because then he's like, yeah, he's doing all this stuff. He's going to fight with these other cops because they're like saying it's your fault. And then he's like, yeah, I need another gun. And someone tosses him another gun. Like, <laughs> there you go. But yeah, it, I, I love it's that. The, it's the 80s. Man. I love they just like pull a yeah. gun out of a drawer and Fuck. throw it at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, give me a gun. Somebody. I love that part because I love like, the fact that like it shows how in this thing, there's no sides. Like there are, well, not sorry. There are sides. Like there are people who are with him and people who are against him. There's people who want to kill him. I mean, who wants to watch a scene where he has to pull out, he has to fill out the proper paperwork to get a new firearm? Well, true, true <laughs> enough. The reality is, like, another cop was killed with his gun. He would be put on the sidelines. There's no way they would just be like, yeah, here, I'm going to toss you a gun. And here, yeah, go to the jail and uh, get a convict paroled no, out to you. They tell and you, you know what? You go out there and you get that son of a bitch. That's true. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do it. And I think that's what's kind of freeing. Like, there's there's a really huge argument to be made that you shouldn't make a thriller or stuff like that if in the time of if, of cell phones because everything can be solved with the cell phone, right? For the most part, it's yeah. like, okay, well, you just Google. Let me just Google this here. Oh, okay, that's the kind of soil that they use, uh, and just exactly whole murder on your yeah. phone going Where, there. I love this because it. This is kind of the time of no rules. That's what makes it fun because it's like fucking these people might kill this dude if they have the opportunity outside the police precinct. And there's others, these other people who are like, here's a gun that's untraceable. (laughs) Go have fun. This is also the time where, you know, the main character, the cop, drives his own piece of shit convertible around <laughs> like he gets, yeah he gets paid kilometers he's a, he's he gets paid je- kilometers he's a, he's a blue jean cop oh yeah. yeah right he's the blue jean cop right yeah and he gets he gets he gets paid 15 cents per kilometer he drives so like you know like he's actually making money if you, if he, you think he, he does it. talk about like all the paperwork he has to do and it's just like i can't imagine the fucking paperwork he'd have to do after to explain case, all this shit cases like this then we got in a shootout with a city bus <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah so yeah i mean where are we we're like let's get 10 into minutes the, let's into, get into, into the, the movie murphy stuff yeah dustin let's burn through this movie you run us through it <laughs> you want me to run you through uh well once he once he picks up reggie hammond um you know that's when things really start to get going and you know he, he he's gonna help him like find these guys on the streets because he's you know he's he's streetwise he's a uh, he's he's been there he knows all the he knows all the peoples and knows all the players. Um, yeah. I'm gonna say this: I think he's one of the greatest uh, for like for all the action movies action movies we've watched. I think he's one of the greatest characters. I think he's like super restrained. Like Eddie Murphy actually plays him incredibly restrained. Yeah, you think about how goofy some of Eddie Murphy's later stuff got. Yeah, I think he plays him really straight, and I think he's awesome. I think it it totally pays off in the end. Yeah, he's great, and he has lots of great moments and lines and stuff. But um, you know, the scene where they go to the country bar and he tells Jack, like, "Okay, you yeah. let me, you let me handle it if it's just a bunch of like bullshitting where you're convincing people." 
that and he does an amazing job. It's so good. He's just like pretending to be the cop and like roasting all the rednecks and be like, I fucking hate you. I'm your worst nightmare. I'm a bl- I'm a black cop who can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he end up walking out of there and being like totally scared? Well, I think he's. Uh, well, I don't know if it's, he's scared. No, n- oh, not I th- really. I, I thought there was a line where I love that because I, I got the sense that he, in that scene, he he knew exactly what he was doing. But he was going off of like adrenaline, and he knew at any second, like if he did like like if he slowed down, he was like done. Yeah, I mean he had to keep his front up, right? And I, I don't know, the whole sequence is great. Like the bartender is giving him shit, and then he fucking hucks the glass into the mirror and everything. I love that when he hucks that glass into that mirror. I was like, holy shit! I I haven't seen a lot of power moves like that before. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone just like stops. And even then the one guy's like, I don't give a fuck if you are a cop. I'm like, this is our fucking bar or whatever. Uh, and he just like doesn't take any shit from them and stuff. It's great. He also takes a knife and a gun. Yeah. He pockets them. Yeah. And then when he goes outside, then Nick Nolte's like. That was like, that was super gun. fun. And then the entire thing of like him just like trying to fuck. Yeah. Like all this, all this guy wants to do is he wants to fuck yeah. and go back to prison. And he said, yeah. he say? he's like, he's like, man, I've been in prison for six years. He's like a, a fucking breeze makes my dick hard at this point. Yeah. yeah. I got to think that Eddie Murphy had a lot to do with, with his lines. Yeah. Well, I did read that. Uh, Nolte says that him and Murphy, like just kind of improvised a lot of their dialogue between each what other. What kind of guy do you think Nolte is? You think Nolte's a good guy? I think he is exactly what he is in this movie. I mean, that would be my impression, right? He's just like the grumbly, like, I don't know, fucking somewhat taciturn kind of asshole. I don't know. I hope. I'm fine with that. Don't meet your heroes, John. Don't meet your heroes. Nick Nick Nolte Nolte is not my hero. Did you ever see right. those mug shots of him when he got, got busted? No, well, he, actually, yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. Those mug shots are my hero. Uh, <laughs> I hope I get busted and get off like he does in those photos. But, I mean, he's perfect for this part. Like uh, He's amazing. Oh, yeah. He's so fantastic. All right, so we got the... Uh, he go, They go to the country bar. Yeah, they're looking for Sonny because he knows Sonny used to work at that bar. And then they get a line on him and that he might be at his girlfriend's place up the street. Yeah, in Chinatown. Yeah, so they go there and they, those two women like <laughs> are hitting Eddie Murphy with a bat and shit and like yeah. they got guns that, on them. They don't they don't believe that they're actually cops, right? That was a pretty funny scene. I really mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that. Uh this movie does like put these moments of brevity. Pretty good humor, I think. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like it keeps the humor there always. But it does it without sacrificing the, you know, the edge of the movie. Like, it never feels like you're going too far one way or the other. Yeah, like that that scene with those two girls, I I felt like, oh, okay, like these are tough broads. But then like later on, it's just like, I don't know, they're like just like brushed aside. Yeah. Well, later, later on yeah. you find out that they were actually playing stupid and they knew exactly what they were doing. They were he. She was still dating the guy. Like she knew. Yeah. Well, I wasn't sure if that was the case or if they just let, or they just let showed him, up. Let him come back in. Yeah. Maybe. But, but it, they, does, it doesn't seem like the kind of guy that um, would take no for an answer if he showed up at your door and he wanted to come in. <laughs> yeah. So you run through all of that. Yeah. I mean, they're they're trying to get a line right, and then they they start following David Patrick Kelly, and they. Uh, 
uh, well, they go, they sh- they first go to his house and he like shoots at Nick Nolte and then like t- tries to take off. And meanwhile, Eddie Murphy was handcuffed to the steering wheel, managed to get himself out. And then he stops the adventure killer at the door, right? That's a super fun cliche now. It happens in everything, like every TV show, every, everything. It's yeah. like the but person. This was the, this was the, the origins. Yeah, of the person stuff. handcuffed to the dashboard. Yeah. Like I just watched Justified like recently, like in the past couple months, right? And like that happens like so many times where like somebody's dash like handcuffed to the dashboard and they do something. Like it's just yeah. it's like such a trope now. But it lets us know, like, oh yeah, like he's not, you know, he he can he can handle himself. Like he and he and he's the one who manages to stop this guy from getting away and Nick Nolte didn't, right? Well, I think there's a there's but a Nick Nolte still is treating him like shit, and he's like, "Give me the fucking gun," and blah blah blah. Yeah, I think there's a point in this movie where you're supposed to think that at the beginning that uh, Eddie Murphy is he's just a smooth talker, like he's got he. There's nothing beyond that, or or whatever, like. Right, but he's not actually but, like he's not like a wuss. Like they could have played yeah. it. You went the, another movie might have been like that. He was kind of like wimpy, yeah. and he was just like a, a loud mouth. And I think that this is actually a credit to the film where they actually be like, no, he's not just a smooth talker. He's he's intelligent and he's tough and he like, he has all these things, which is why I think that despite all of the so much racist language in the film, mm-hmm. I actually think that the intent of the filmmaker and the writer is to try to break that down and break that away. Yeah, I mean, we're supposed to see, like James was saying earlier, like we see Jack's character development over the course of the movie is that he's like, you know, he comes to realize like this guy isn't a bad guy. He's not some like I've maybe stereotyped what he is in my mind because he's like he's a convict. Just like the audience has. Right. Yeah. And and at the beginning, we think, you know, yeah, he's just like a he's kind of a dirtbag guy. Yeah, but I mean, Reggie's like the most honest person in the whole movie. Absolutely. He's the most honest person and he has the most altruistic in the end. Yeah, I mean, there's even the later the later scene when they have like they have the foot chase at the train station and they both have to go separate ways to chase the two different parties. Um, yeah. And then Reggie's gone. And it's like, oh, he's lost him. So he's going to he's like in deep shit now because he's lost the prisoner. And in another movie, he would be like. Yeah, I used that opportunity to like to fuck off and get away. But in this movie, he phones him and tells him, "Hey, I'm at this bar. Like, here's, yeah. here's where I am. Like, he's not trying to like get away or whatever." Yeah, I, 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 I hate. I don't know. I hate to keep bringing this back to this kumbaya race relationship, but like, I really do feel like they're trying to do something different with this film. Well, they're trying to, but it, it's not really. A, I don't think it's supposed to be the main. I think what. It's supposed to be is the arc yeah. of Nick Nolte's character. Yeah. That's it. It's also almost 40 years yeah. ago. Yes. Like, I don't think they were being super ambitious necessarily. No, I don't think but, so. But that stuff is there too. Like, it's not necessarily the point of the movie. The point of the movie is to be a fun ride between two characters from different walks of life, right? While they try to solve a crime. And it, it accomplishes that stuff, right? So, oh. uh, does it... Uh, <laughs> meet all of today's standards on the race relations stuff no <laughs> there's some crazy shit in this movie though which i don't understand like david patrick kelly's character like luther right this guy's willing to pay five hundred thousand dollars for his girlfriend 
Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Okay, so we, the girlfriend character, what the fuck happened to her? We, the last time we see her is on the bus. They get in that, that chase scene where they're shooting at the bus. But when he first gets on, Luther has the money and uh, Gans shoots him, kills him on the bus. And he still has yeah. the girlfriend at that point because they're supposed to do a trade. And then right. that's it. We never see her again. That was I was so confused by this. Am I so like, am I like super fucked up? Because like I don't understand what happened. I felt like I missed an act of the yeah, film. Like, no, like he he gets the money and then he just shoots. He shoots shoots him. He shoots Luther, but he, but we don't see what happens to the girlfriend. She's just well. Like, it doesn't matter at this point. I guess not. It's just like a weird loose kind of thread, but. Yeah, I guess if he just threw her down and then shot her, then I guess that'd make more sense. I mean, that's the other thing is it feels a little bit conflicted because Luther is a dirtbag character and he's yeah. willing to shoot at the cops and stuff. But also, like, he's this guy who loves his girlfriend so much that he's... One uh, one thing maybe you guys can answer for me. The money has been sitting in this car in this garage for the yeah. whole time that seven Reggie's, years. Reggie's been or, in jail. No, not seven years. Like six yeah. or something. Yeah. Why didn't Luther go and just take the money for himself beforehand? No idea. I have no idea. <laughs> like he was willing. Because he, he, he willing knows where it her. is. Yeah, he knows where it is. So why has he just left it sitting there? Gans is in jail. Reggie's in jail. And then we had the one other character that we didn't actually meet that they, uh, that they kill, that they leave sitting on the, the bench. Right. As part of their crew. So I don't know. It, Maybe there was the fear that if he went after the money, he would just. He, he would. Those guys would come after him afterwards. They would come after him. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of a circular conversation at this point, like talking about like what's happening with the film. Do you guys have well, a favorite just scene? Into some plot details. Yeah, do you guys have a big favorite scene? I mean, the bar scene is pretty awesome. Um, Which one? There's with, two. With with Eddie Murphy, like pretending. To yeah, be a cop. the con- the country bar. Um, I think the shootout with the bus is pretty fun. The the foot chase is pretty good. I thought actually. Like, that's the thing, like, because it's Walter Hill, like, it all, all the cop stuff still has that, like, suspense and serious tone to it. Um, right. And he somehow is able, to, that's, the, that's the beauty of this movie, is that he's somehow able to make it a comedic movie without sacrificing any of the, like, grit of the, of the cop story to it, I think. Whereas, like I was saying, like, later on, that, that balance kind of maybe goes out of whack with a lot of the movies that try to imitate this. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, I think for for pure humor sake, I I love the give me give me your badge and let me let me take yeah. over this honky tonk. Uh, what about the fist fight when when they fight each other? <laughs> I thought that was pretty oh good. okay. So I I actually really love this scene. I think this scene is super is amazing. Um, I love the fact that they they just like they do the fight. I I, I think that it's really important the words they say to each other um and how they talk to each other and then the other the, the cops the other cops show up um yeah, yeah. i don't know i think that's more of like a cinematic like important point but i also just love their interaction like i think that nick nolte and eddie murphy just work really really well together um oh, well, i think that's a funny scene too because nick nolte's like well i'm gonna kick the shit out of you now but that's not really what yeah. happens like Eddie Murphy yep. does just as much damage to him. <laughs> and I, yeah. and I, like, I think there's a funny well, way that he plays it there where he's like, he's continually looking surprised that he's, he's also getting his ass kicked in this fight. Well, Nick Nolte is quite tall compared to Eddie Murphy too. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah. 
I, I think that that's the movie is actually continuously underestimating Eddie Murphy throughout this film. It's yeah, always right. underestimating him, and he's always over. He's always overachieving. Right until he tells his captain later. Yeah, that's why he's the hero in the in the movie because he's the most honest. He's minding his own business. You know, he does all the right yep. stuff, even when he, you know, runs away chasing uh, Luther. He still calls the cop back. He like all the stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think we're supposed to think that Nolte's Jack character is is a good guy because he's like he's not one of these cops that's being bought or anything like that. He's not going to take the money. Uh, it's not his thing to do that. Like, but also, you know, he is an asshole. So it's like he's just not as likable as Eddie Murphy's character, right? But he's also a racist piece of shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but he's there's he, the movie reckons with that a little bit. Um, like he, like we were talking about earlier, he's like, hey, uh, you know, when I said those words and stuff, like he's trying to say, like I was wrong for doing that. I shouldn't have done that kind of thing. Yeah, so in a very sheepish the, way. At, at, yeah, yeah. It, but at the same time, I think what the movie's trying to say is is that you shouldn't say these things and you shouldn't believe these things. Sure, that's what the movie shows us through the arc of Eddie Murphy's character. Is like, yeah, even if you think these things, like you're wrong. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I yeah. it's it's I mean, hard. I don't think it's like heavy handed about it, but yeah, I think no. that's there. I don't know. Are we making more out of the racial stuff than really need? Like it 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 is. A very small part and yeah there is a thread through the whole movie but like it's not the it's not i don't think it's the focus of the movie i, I think it's I think not the focus is, i think that stuff is there uh but, it, I but the disagree. stuff that matters is like the fun buddy cop stuff yeah right? exactly I, I, that's what i think I, I don't know i think i would actually disagree with you guys i think that the racial stuff is actually incredibly important i think they, they set the race the racial stuff up from the very beginning with uh with the First Nations guy, like like saving the back, you know, the villain. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I like, like I'm saying, I'm not saying it's not there. It's not part of the movie. Well, I, I'm saying I think that what I think the filmmaker actually wanted to make a point. I think the writer wanted to make a point. I think he did too, but that's why I'm saying like I think he did it in a very not hammer you over the head with it kind of way. Whereas a lot of movies now would be a lot more didactic about it. They'd be yeah, way more I on think, the nose. I think you're right. I think he did it in a in an, in an intelligent way. He wanted to do it without actually saying it because of the time. I, 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 I don't think you can talk about this movie without talking about race. Once again, people who are much smarter than us should talk about this movie in a way more appropriate I'm sure they way. Have. Um <laughs> As far as an action movie goes, what do you guys should we rate this movie? I mean, we didn't even talk about the end though. Like, oh, we, we should talk about the end. Yeah, 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 James is right. So they end up going. They're looking all over the city. I, I think it, this is at the point where Nick Nolte feels like defeated. They're looking all over the city except for in Chinatown, I guess. Yeah. Well, like Eddie, uh, like at that point, he's going to be suspended. He finds out for sure. And yeah. they've basically given up, and he's just taken Reggie for a drink. And but then he right. like gets it in his head they should go back and check the girlfriend's place, even though there's right. no real reason to do so. Some cop intuition shit, man. Yeah. So then they go, and then they see the one girlfriend bringing groceries. I guess. 
Yeah, I and didn't. They, I, I didn't know why that meant that <laughs> that those guys were in there because I, that's so many. Know, that's so many groceries for two women, man. <laughs> we didn't talk about the fact that you do see titties in this movie like pretty soon. There's there's yeah, there's a lot of of moments. <laughs> like think like the 1980s were were generous. They, they didn't shy away from that. Yeah, and they didn't uh, care. They would they would show like everything in the 80s, small titties. Big titties. They don't just as long as they were white titties, they okay. showed them. <laughs> but I think this is the point where Eddie Murphy gets a gun. Yeah, he gives him. The, he's like, ah, keep it or whatever. When they're at the bar, he's like, I don't care anymore or something. Like okay, that. but that that is also something that we didn't really talk about. I love this turn in a, in the, in the in Nolte's character where he's just like, I don't give a fucking shit. Like burn the system. To who the gives a fuck? Let's this this well, everything. He's been trying to get his hands on a gun through the whole. Yeah, <laughs> everything sucks. Fuck it. Get a gun. Who gives? Who cares? Like he trusts them obviously at that point, but he's also yeah. like I don't give a fuck. How do you fuck. write that? Now think about the paperwork on this. After this goes down, Eddie Murphy's the one who shoots Billy in the in the bedroom there in the apartment. Oh yeah. How do you fill that out? Oh yeah, so then the parolee guy that I had with me, he used a gun. <laughs> he used another well, gun to shoot and kill this criminal. <laughs> this is this is a paper this is a paperwork nightmare. This is the okay. This is all I the eighties. Think about it. I'm getting ahead. This yeah. This is too much. Yeah, but me. if I was Nolte, I'm I'm just quitting and taking my pension. <laughs> I'm not filling out that paperwork, man. I'm just like ah, deuces. I've been here for like what twenty five years. I don't give a fuck. I don't know. Give me my pension one day. I'm going to go work security for Jamiroquai or whoever the fuck's popular at the time. But then we get to the final showdown between Gans uh, and he's like got he's got Reggie uh, as a yeah. hostage. Uh, all that stuff really looks cool, too. Like we haven't really talked about the look of the movie and I think it looks fucking great. Like just the yeah, city you, lights you get and light the and steam and stuff. Yeah. Well, with signs. the neon light. Yeah, yeah exactly. But then you get Nick Nolte giving the most, like, I don't give a shit, like, lifting his arm to shoot, like, not caring to aim, just kind of, like, swipe shooting almost with his hand, and then somehow hits uh, hits so, him. It a, doesn't hit Eddie Murphy. It's a great fucking shot, man. Okay, so... Here, I, I guess. So Nick Nolte seems, like, actually drunk throughout the entire filming of this movie. Well, that's just part possible. of his character. No, I think it's. I think he he might actually just be completely fucked up. Isn't that how he acts though in every movie? Yeah, I mean, kind of. It it is, but I think there's more to it. I think that he might actually just be drunk. Like he he's so fucked up. Wait, how does this relate to what we're talking about yeah, here? Yeah, well, exactly. It's, it's the way that he brings the gun up. It's the way he does everything. Like, like an alcoholic. Like he just, like, he's, <laughs> he's just not, he's just not trying that hard. Like he's trying, but he's. Well, no, I think he, in that moment, he's just, uh, he's very confident about what he's going to do at that moment. Like he's not letting this guy fucking get away again. Cause he's gotten away like three or four times. Right. Uh, Eddie Murphy's like, yeah, don't listen to his shit. Just shoot him. But he, but he's just saying that shit, right? Like he doesn't actually yeah, want yeah. to do that. <laughs> and then he just does it, right? He just fucking doesn't think about it. He just like reacts and like shoots the guy. That's why then, I feel like if afterwards, uh, I, I thought it would have been great. Like afterwards, if he went up to Eddie Murphy and he was just like, 
Oh man, I was like 50 50 on that shot. Like, it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, but that's very like early 2000s. Yeah. Like, well, that's a joke that. That's w- like the 90s. Yeah, maybe. that's a joke that wasn't made until like like Bad Boys. And then he, sh- he unloads his whole gun because James, I think James Remar's reaction is hilarious in that scene because he's like, I was shot. Like, you shot me. Like, it was like up until yeah. that point, he thought, like, I don't know, like he's on PCP or something and he thought yeah, he he's was invincible. invincible. <laughs> something. Uh, yeah, so you can't funny. shoot me. You can't shoot like you shot me. What? Yeah, I don't know. That's just a funny, I think, moment where he's just like, "What? Like, I, you can't shoot me." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you get the scene where he's like, "Yeah, you know, keep the money, no problem." I still don't understand why fucking uh, Luther is willing to pay five hundred thousand dollars for this girl. Like this hey guy man, loves crazy. No, he's no. We don't know about that girl. She might have been fucking awesome. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Pussy, not like no. This, this is some like this is like something where it's like, oh man, her like, she crazy. Like she's so great. Like, this guy's a fucking piece of shit. Like he doesn't give yeah. a fuck about anything. He's gonna pay hey. five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> for this woman. No, he like, yeah. no, no woman is worth five hundred thousand dollars. No, this. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're getting from this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I get, I'm getting what you're putting. Out, but five hundred, yeah, no. five hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money, man. I hear you, John. I hear you. <laughs> Shit, I think you guys. All might, right, you guys, so. might, you guys might be right. <laughs> I don't value women enough. Uh, it's a funny. I don't know. It just kind of wraps up, right? Like he's just like, yeah. Uh, here you can have the money, and I mean, I guess it's because it's not money they stole from like I don't know a bank or something. They stole it from a it was like from a drug dealer. So I guess he'd rather. So it's okay. Well, it's not okay, but it's like Reggie. He'd rather Reggie had it, and because he's not going to be a criminal going forward, right? Or at least that's what he tells him at the end. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing, though. If I was a cop, it would be really, really hard for me to be like. No, you have to give that to me. Like, what do I actually care? Take the money, man. I don't give a fuck. I'd be the worst cop ever. Just don't hurt anybody anymore. Go away. Bye. <laughs> Go away. Go Plus, away. And then come and come back for the sequel. Also, yeah. also, thank you very much for, you know, all you did. You probably earned this. We'll have to do another 48 hours at some point, but like... Can yeah. you remember what happens in that one? Absolutely I can't. Not. not at all. And I, I know I saw it, but yeah, I have no memory of it. All right, let's uh, let's rate this. Yeah, let's rate the movie. Well, I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna say my reaction is a seven, and my overall score is a five point eight. Wow, kind of low. <laughs> oh, it's definitely low, but you know, uh, yeah, uh, eh. uh, uh, my reaction is a seven, overall six point eight. Uh, I see. I rated uh, the quotes higher than you. I thought there's lots of funny lines. Stuff. I thought there was some, but you know, not enough. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and say this. Uh, my reaction is a seven. My overall is a six point four. I think this is a case of time. I think that if we if we put this in the the time that it existed, this probably movie's way higher. Um, we don't we don't really uh, rate for. Well, we're not rating for influence or yeah, iconicness or exactly importance we, yeah, to the genre. We don't have that that rating. Um, oh damn it! Let's redo all of our movies. 
<laughs> Start from the beginning. Just going to wipe it out. I'd say this movie is incredibly important, though. Like, you need to watch this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, if you and if you like buddy cop movies and you haven't watched this movie, then you definitely need to watch then this. And what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You're a fraud. You're Suck living you. a lie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stop watching Chips. And watch this movie. Stop watching Chips. James, where did that come from? That is not a James thing. James, I'm just saying. James has never watched an episode of Chips in his life. James never. hates Chips. No, that's I, what, I'm, su- I'm surprised that James... I know James. I'm surprised <laughs> that James knows what Chips is. No, I just remember the movie came out not that long ago, and it was like super homophobic. Oh, yeah, they did a movie of it. Who was oh, in the movie? Oh, Dak, Dak Shepard. Dax Shepard. And, uh, oh, shit. One of my shit. thespians. No, who's the other guy? Uh, guy we love. James, who's the other guy in, in was Chips? It, oh, was it Michael, was it Michael Pena that was in yeah. Chips? Well, where does, uh, where does 48 Hours end up on the list? Uh, so 6.3 overall. It's tied at number 67 with Taken. Oh, it's definitely ahead of Taken. It's ahead of Taken. Yeah. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> That's pretty easy. I mean, I enjoy Taken, but there's no fucking. It's not even close to me. That's why I'm kind of surprised. I, I mean, I th- I, this came in a little lower than I would have thought. Uh, it's one of those movies where, yeah, based on the like you're saying, like the things that we rate for doesn't necessarily reward this movie the way it maybe should be rewarded. And it is an important movie in this genre for sure, without question. What's going on next? All right, so next week's Patreon pick is going to be from Wes, and we are doing Conan the Barbarian. Uh, this is a movie I've never... 84, Dustin? I've never so seen 80, it. 82, sorry. 82. I've never seen this movie. Yeah, I've never seen it. Just oh. seen clips. Just it's a fun seen, movie. I heard it's fun, actually. I'm actually kind of excited to watch it. Like, It's fun yeah, watching It's one of my favorite lines ever in a movie, so... Do you want to give us a, for, a sneak? Looking forward to a, it. A no, sneak. no, no. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Is it hop on this dick? Yeah, how'd you know that? Oh, (laughs) shit. Dustin, you do say that a lot. Is that where you got that line? Yeah, I got it from Conan the Barbarian. Listeners, let's let's break that fourth wall. Oh, God. Dustin says that all the time. It's super weird. He says it to random people on the street. Dustin drives a uh, a Jeep with no doors and no roof. And he's just... <laughs> sometimes when you drive with him, he's just yelling, like, jump on this dick. Well, I mean, hey, yeah. look, like, you got to take your shot, right? You get 99 no's, and you get one yes. Yeah. You just imagine this 60-year-old in his Jeep. Yeah. Rolling <laughs> down the street. With his bedazzled jeans on. Not everyone yeah. gets to drive a white Jeep down the street from nineteen from nineteen ninety seven, like Dustin. I mean, oh, that's man. pretty. That's pretty sweet. I mean, like the yeah, engine Jeep, does. Jeep lovers for life, you know. Like Jeep people got to stick together. Yeah. yeah. You're one Jeep-ball. hot piece of. You're one hot piece of salami, Dustin. You are an Italian meat if I've ever seen one. Uh, yeah. Well, thank so. you guys so much for listening. Uh, please check us out on Patreon, Action Action Podcast. Um, letterbox, James, what's the letterboxed? Action Action. Uh, and we'll see you next week.
Let's go.